the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, June the 25th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 25th, 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that recitation of a state-sponsored prayer in New York State public schools, yes, it was unconstitutional. We just can't have prayer coming around where we're educating our children. Today in 1788, Virginia ratified the U.S. Constitution. Today in 1876, Lieutenant Colonel George Custer and his 7th Cavalry, they were wiped out by Sioux and Cheyenne Indians in the Battle of Little Bighorn in Montana. Today in 1947, the diary of a young girl was a personal journal of Anne Frank. She was, uh, was first published in America. Today in 1950, War broke out in Korea. Forces from the Communist North invaded the South. Today, in 1981, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that male-only, M-A-L-E, not M-A-I-L, men, boys, male-only draft registration was constitutional. Drafting women was not. Today, in 1990... U.S. Supreme Court, in its first right-to-die decision, ruled that family members could be barred from ending the lives of persistently comatose relatives who had not made their wishes known conclusively. Today, in 2003, the Recording Industry Association of America, they threatened to sue hundreds of people, kids, mostly teenagers, but people. They were individual computer users back in 2003 who were illegally sharing music files online. That became a big deal back then, and it had the record industry really under some pressure. They were scrambling because they didn't know what to do about it. They were used to selling records to kids, and now they were trading files online. Five years ago today, Pope Pope Francis visited Armenia. He recognized the Ottoman-era slaughter of Armenians as a genocide that did not go well with Turkey. They lashed out at the Pope. One year ago today, a government watchdog organization found that nearly 1.1 million relief payments, totaling $1.4 billion in the government's coronavirus aid program, went to dead people. Now, this is the same government system that says, oh, it would be so much better if we did all mail-in voting. And the government will manage it. That's what Biden is pushing for. One year ago today, the restaurant, <clears throat> restaurant chain Chuck E. Cheese, they filed for bankruptcy protection. And one year ago today, Disney... The corporation said it would recast its Splash Mountain theme park ride because they felt it was necessary to remove its ties to Song of the South. 
1946 movie that many viewed as racist. Where will all of this stop? Removing things because they appear to some to be racist? They won't stop until someone has the courage, and it isn't our current president, to stop it and put the brakes on. Because there is no end game with progressivism. Progressivism just keeps rolling forward. And if things don't work out, they go, oh, well, no, we've, well, we've, made, we've made progress. We've moved on. We learned from that. We've moved on. There is no end game. There is no arrival. There is no set fixed values. So therefore, there could be no fixed goals. So you never quite get where you're going, and you're always on with progressivism, so-called progressivism. You're always on a destructive path rather than a constructive path. It's always getting worse. That isn't because I say that. I mean, I say that because history, world history, proves it. All you have to do is take a little bit of a long look at history. And the kind of thinking that is running our country today is the kind of thinking that has destroyed every culture in the history of the world. There's a there's kind of a, an arc, a historical arc, and I don't have time to get into that today, and we will at some point. Uh, but th- this historical arc shows from bondage to prosperity to bondage, and there are steps in between. That's what progressivism always does. And we're seeing the effects of that today in America. Apparently, Vice President Harris has arrived in El Paso about 8 o'clock this morning, which would be about an hour ago as we come on the air live this morning at 9 o'clock Pacific time. Fox is reporting that she's there. Other, There's some other news that at this moment that's saying she's not. But anyway, Fox says she is, so we'll say she's there. And she didn't hasn't spoken to me this morning, so I don't know for sure. But nonetheless, she's traveling with Homeland Security Secretary Alondro Mayorkas, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin, and Democratic Representative Veronica Escobar from Texas. She's going to take a tour. She plans to hold a conversation, that's her words, with advocates from faith-based NGOs and shelter and legal service providers. Harris, joined by Mayorkas, Durbin, and Escobar at the end of their trip this morning, they will then, um, at least they say they're going to make remarks to the press, and they may, they may take questions. Tom Holman is the former active director of U.S. Customs and Immigration Enforcement. He is really having a fit this morning. He's not happy about this at all. He cares about the border. He believes in a border sovereign nation. He worked for the Trump administration in that role. He said that the problem with all of this is that it's it's a made-up ploy because he said they're avoiding the, the worst-hit areas of the southern border. They're opting to go to El Paso instead of the Rio Grande Valley. He said, of, he said instead of going there and talking to men and women dealing with that crisis and taking care of thousands of unaccompanied children, she picked El Paso where she doesn't want to see the devastation that her administration policies have caused. El Paso, I am told, is a facility that can be scrubbed and sanitized, and that's what you're going to be seeing on the news today. It's going to look almost like summer camp. 
The kids are going to be organized. They're going to be scrubbed. They're going to be cleaned. And nobody is going to talk to anybody that the Biden administration doesn't want them to talk to. That's the way it's going to roll out this morning. So you're going to get a report. I think the press will ask a few questions to appear to be um, nonpartisan. And it'll pretty much be a setup. Um, I don't know what Harris will say. I, I don't really care what she'll say because it doesn't mean anything, but at least in the broad scope. But nonetheless, we'll find that out as we proceed. But you will see through the course of the day today, on, on this Friday, you will see the press presenting this, and it will look pretty good. It won't look all that bad. They will get the right shots. They will not speak to anyone, even if they want to, that the Biden administration doesn't approve. And it will be a very sanitized, very uh, well-constructed message that you'll be seeing on your local news this afternoon and this evening and over the weekend. And the talk shows will be talking about, you know, well, that we have this under control, whatever. And that's what you're going to be hearing over the weekend about this. I mean, I'm just telling you, but it is as tragic on the border as I said it was yesterday. And we talked about that yesterday. And there were responses and reactions to that, but it, it's true. And that's what's going on at our border. And that isn't in the best interests of our country. It isn't godly, nor is it biblical, as we said yesterday. One thing I want to say today, though, for sure, this is absolutely for sure. There is no no possibility this could be wrong. It's found in Psalm 33, 9. It's the word of God. The Bible says in verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. God is in control of whatever the circumstance is, whether it's national, global, or whether it's in your personal life, your family, whatever it is, God is in control and he loves you. That's what we need to know this morning. Verse 9 says, For he spake, in Psalm 33, he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God is in control and you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, have put God in control of your life in a positive way. And God seeks the very best for you. He has plans for you, saith the Lord, and the plans are for good, not for evil. So let's walk in that truth today, as they say. That's not our truth, that's his truth. And we're walking in his truth. Got a note from uh, a couple yesterday in fact, it was an email, or it was a message on a contribution on uh, online. Gary, thank you for all you do and the truth you speak. We homeschool our four children and appreciate your program. We start every day in the kitchen as a family and have the radio playing. We use your daily show as our children's curriculum to educate them with what's happening in the world and how to look at it from a biblical worldview. I love how you equip us for the day ahead and remind us that the Lord is in control. I pray that the Lord will continue to bless you and your family and continue to use uh, as a truth tool to speak the word of God. Thank you again and continue to fight the battle. God bless and their names, a husband and wife. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who stand with us prayerfully and stand with us financially. 
We are struggling a little bit with June's budget. We need your help. And I'm not going to go on. I told I told the initial listeners of our program when we started a few years ago, if this thing doesn't work financially, I'll tell you, but we won't go on and on and on about it and spend 30 minutes a day asking for money so we can come back the next day and spend 30 minutes. I mean, there's programs that do that. I don't know why or how they exist, but that's not us. That isn't what God has called us to do, and I think you would appreciate that. So I'm just telling you we're running. June is not what it should have been budget-wise. If you can help us, please do. And thank you for standing with us regularly. If God speaks to your heart, we need you to stand with us on a regular basis. If you can do so, and if you feel the Lord would have you to do that, please do. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go on our website, faithandandfreedom.us. There's a way to, there's a tab there you can click and make a donation online. And you can read some of the things that we talk about on this program, one of which is coming up as we speak. President Biden caught my attention yesterday when he said, I'm quoting him, if you think you need weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. I thought about that and I thought, what's he talking about? (laughs) Maybe he doesn't know. (laughs) Often he doesn't, I think. But then he made some rather incoherent words that added to my concern and I thought, Does he mean what he's saying? I don't know if he means it or not, but I know what he said. One thing is certain. He doesn't want you to have a gun. He didn't care about the Second Amendment. We're going to get those guns, and we're going to do it incrementally, but we're going to get them. The people that I know who are wanting to take over the government are the far-left radicals. They're looting and burning our cities, BLM, Antifa, And they're more aligned with the left than they are conservatives, for sure. They don't like conservatives. They don't like anybody, I don't think. But if they like anybody, they would like the left. Most of us know that most people have a gun for self-defense or hunting. I suspect Joe Biden knows that as well. But he's not pretending that he does. He's pretending that he doesn't know that and that guns, guns are killing people all over the place. He forgets the fact that the guns are in the hands of people. The gun is an inanimate object. It doesn't think. It doesn't get angry. It doesn't kill anyone. But that does not matter to the progressive left. Biden said, if you think you need weapons to take on the government. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about that. His ramblings on a number of subjects are concerning. They're concerning more, not just to political Republicans, but people from all political leanings are expressing concern, some of them quietly and not publicly, but there's troubled Democrats all across the country. They don't think Biden maybe is up to the job now that they've set him on his throne, his life's goal to become president. And they certainly know Kamala Harris is not up to being president of the United States. I mean, let's be honest. The president said, quote, the Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. 
you couldn't buy a cannon. He continued, this is an exact quote. I don't want you to think this is me. Exact quote, the President of the United States. Quote, those who say the blood of liberty, the uh, blood of patriots, you know, all that stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not watered with the blood of patriots. What's happened is there has never been, if you want to, well, if you want to think, you need weapons to take on the government. You need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit, the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. End of quote. Well, the leftist politifact, they had to come out. I mean, they were pressed. They had to come out yesterday and they admitted, they said, well, there is nothing in history that shows that there was ever any cannon control by the government of the United States. That's a stupid thing to say, especially if you're president of the United States. Americans generally are not moving against America. The move against America is coming from the left-wing terrorists, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. These groups are far more aligned with the Biden administration than they ever were with people who practice Second Amendment gun ownership. A normal thinking president from either party, even Obama would have been smart enough to lie. Any person in the presidency would have probably said and assured the American people, even if they were trying to undermine the Second Amendment, they would have said, well, you know, the government's not really coming after your guns, but we have to address this killing problem and this gun violence. They use the term repeatedly. Even these 20-year-olds on local television at night doing their news stories, their stringer stories, they always refer to it as gun violence. Gun, it's not gun violence. It's, it's people violence. It's sin. It's rebellion. It's people who have been lost in the cracks of society. They haven't been reached out to with the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. I mean, that is the problem. We can't say that out loud, but it is the problem. I'll say it out loud. And I'll say it wherever I have a voice. Thank you for giving me that voice, by the way, those of you who support us. But the government needs to understand, and Biden needs to understand, that the citizenry, we're not trying to take over the government except at the election box. And he knows that. But he, the government should be informed, as our founding fathers understood, and these are their words, not mine, that the Second Amendment is about self-defense. And it is important that the government understands that the citizenry could defend itself against tyranny from wherever. It doesn't matter where it comes from. That is the Founding Fathers' words. How does Jesus feel about self-defense? Often, the far left, Jim Wallace, who resigned from Sojourners, he founded the organization. He's now going to a college university. I can't remember which one he said. He's going to be in charge of a, a, a school in the university. It's a major university. And he's going to be teaching this stuff that he's been promoting through uh, his organization, Sojourners. I'll be addressing, as I speak, for the remainder of this program this morning, I'll be addressing some of the things he says. They're not biblical. They're a lie, basically. But the left has taken scripture and they've twisted it to support their left-wing views, globalism, a borderless society, 
all this kind of thing through the stranger. I'm going to get I'll get to that now, and particularly where it has to do with self-defense and owning guns. The Bible does speak to self-defense and owning weapons, and I'm going to tell you what it is. But the left uses scripture and the values and virtue of scripture to push their agenda. Some of the following that I'm going to share with you actually was taken from an article, and I can't figure out who wrote it. I'll be honest with you. I I don't know who wrote the article. Lars Larson is a talk show host. I know Lars. I've known him for years. He's a great guy. He loves the Lord. He's a Christian. And I'm not speaking for him. I'm just saying he he is a Christian, and I I know him. And he pushed he put the, a part of what I'm going to say on his website here a while back, and I'm, I'm using that. I would credit whoever wrote it, but I don't know who wrote it. But I'm also using notes from some of the, the speeches and sermons that I've given as a pastor over the years. So that's where this is coming from. So just bear with me and know I just try to be as transparent as I can about the sourcing of the things we're saying. But I totally agree 100% with what I'm about to say. In Luke chapter 22, and as I said, I've preach sermons on this from the pulpit. And by the way, when you preach sermons on the culture, on a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, when you address the issues in the culture, people don't leave the church. They didn't leave our church when I preached on these subjects. So, Pastor, don't worry about it. Just preach the truth. People will come. They won't leave. Luke chapter 22, verse 36. It finds that Jesus is advising the disciples to buy a sword if they don't have one. He said, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Now, I mean, that is what it says. In Luke chapter 12, verse 39, Jesus says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. What Jesus is outlining here is the fact that it's expected, it was just an assumption, that a person would protect his home from violence. It isn't only reasonable, but it's a responsibility. Although there is merely, this is merely protecting one's property, not one's personal safety or their life or the life of someone else. In Mark chapter 3, verse 27, Jesus is teaching how Satan comes to rob, steal, etc. The illustration he uses involves the assumption that a bad guy is to be bound or restrained. Keep in mind this has to do with property and belongings, not necessarily personal safety or one's life. Confirming the writing in Mark's writing, Luke chapter 11 verse 21 says, when the strong man, fully armed, guards his courtyard, his property is undisturbed. The point is that People in Jesus' illustration are defending their property, a positive view of self-defense of one's property to make a greater spiritual truth. Now, Jesus wasn't preaching on owning property, but he was using that assumption, that's the way it is, that's the reality, to make a greater spiritual truth. This was taught shortly before Jesus was to be taken prisoner, leading to his crucifixion. So what about Jesus' rebuke of Peter, cutting off the ear of the Roman soldier? That was self-defense, right? Well, Jesus does not contradict himself or the word. He is the word made flesh. But to put it simply, Peter misused the sword because he was not fully understanding or informed what was happening. We have to remember that Jesus' personal non-resistance at the cross was intertwined with his unique calling 
which was before the beginning. He did not try to evade his arrest because he was fully aware of the crucifixion and his prophetic role as the redemptive Lamb of God. That's outlined very clearly in Matthew chapter 26, verses 52 through 56. During his ministry, however, he refused to be arrested because God's timing for his death had not yet come. That's, again, very clear, John 8, 59. So his unique non-resistance during the Passion does not mandate against self-protection as the religious left would lead you to believe. And they say this every time they speak on this subject. But it simply isn't true. Jesus did not resist at the cross when he was going to the cross because Jesus knew the mission that he came to earth for was to die for your sins and my sins. He didn't resist it. But he resisted other attempts to take his life because the time had not yet come for God's purposes to be played out in his life. What about Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42, where Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek? It's true, Jesus said to turn the other cheek, but many scholars don't believe that meant pacifism or a non-resistance, and that wasn't the essential point of his teaching. These scholars do not believe Jesus was teaching to turn the other cheek virtually in every circumstance. Even the Lord himself didn't turn the other cheek when he was smitten by a member of the Sanhedrin. Read John 18, 22-23. The background of this teaching is that Jews considered it an insult to be hit in the face. R.C. Sproul, a Bible scholar and, and a theologian, was interest, he said what's interesting in the expression is that Jesus specifically mentions the right side of the face, Matthew 5:39. He's right. Sproul notes that if I hit you on your right cheek, the most normal way would be if I hit it, hit you with the back of my right hand. And it specifically uh, identifies the right hand. He says, to the best of our knowledge of the Hebrew language, that expression, R.C. Sproul, that expression is a Jewish idiom that describes an insult similar to the way challenges to duels in the days of King Arthur were made by a backhand slap to the right cheek of your opponent. In the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 38-42, would then seem to be that Christians should not retaliate when insulted or slandered, and that's affirmed in Romans chapter 12, verses 17-21. through 21. Such insults do not threaten a Christian's personal safety. The question of rendering insult for insult, however, is a far cry from defending oneself or a family member from being mugged or raped. And then, of course, there is the case for self-defense in a just war. The Bible records many accounts of fighting and warfare. The providence of God in war is exemplified in his name in Exodus chapter 12, verse 41. God is portrayed as an omnipotent warrior leader of the Israelites throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. There are people who are raised up to be to lead in war, Samson, Deborah, Gideon, David, Joshua, a whole list of people. And the New Testament commends Old Testament warriors for their military acts of faith. There is such a thing as just war. I could talk about that for a long time, but we're almost out of time. Self-defense is very clear in the New Testament. Jesus did not teach against self-defense and the weapons to carry that out. In his day, it was the sword. Today, our day, it would be the gun. I know not everyone will agree with me on that, but I believe that's scriptural. 
and I believe, and other theologians believe, that is the truth. I'll see you on Monday.